Hello Survivors and welcome to First Aid Spray, a Resident Evil podcast by fans for fans. This is episode 47 and in this edition we set sail departing from the home console and onto the handheld to celebrate 20 years of perhaps the most disenfranchised and definitely the strangest edition to the RE series, Resident Evil Gaiden. My name is Sai and joining me on the panel this week, this is the second time I've made him play Resident Evil Gaiden. I'm sorry, slash, you're welcome, delete as appropriate. It's Fire Button Steve Vance. Hello everyone, I love you too, Sai. <laughs> Smashing open his resin table full of retro Game Boy consoles in order to play through this all-time classic from Serial Box 64, it's Jordan Subaru. Hello. And last, but most certainly not least, we couldn't do it without him, the unofficial captain of the Gaiden fan club and the unofficial captain of all of our hearts from Steamforge Games, it's Sherwin Matthews. Oh, best Resident Evil ever. <laughs> Every episode of First Aid Spray is recorded live on our Discord server, so join now to hear the show early and unedited and to become part of our fantastic little community where we discuss life, the universe, and Resident Evil. You can find a link to the server as well as all of our other social media profiles at our website, fasprayPod.com. It's the support of our listeners that keeps First Aid Spray going, so why not check out our merchandise or our Patreon page? Tiers begin at just $1 a month. Head over to patreon.com forward slash fasprayPod for a full list and the chance to create bonus First Aid Spray content. On that note, we have a new episode of Now That's What I Call Survival Horror up. That is Patreon exclusive for the next month, perhaps a little bit longer than that as well. And this one focuses on the soundtrack of Resident Evil Zero. Uh, I think I said in the episode, not necessarily everybody's favourite Resident Evil game. It's got its fans, certainly, but I think uh, Sherwin definitely brought the heat with the soundtrack and we got really in deep about what makes that uh, score different from other Resident Evil games and what makes it so great. So if you're into Resident Evil music and you're into Resident Evil Zero, check that out. It's Patreon exclusive for the next bunch of weeks. In the meantime, our previous Patreon exclusive, The Evil Within, uh, discussion podcast is out now on podcast feeds and on YouTube. Uh, that was a good one to go into, and a lot, a lot of people have been looking forward to hearing us talk about that uh, Bethesda-produced game. So uh, check that one out if you haven't. And mean, in the meantime, over on our YouTube in the last few weeks, uh, we dropped a new video, start of a new series that James is kind of helming called Not Recommended. Uh, the title was something that worried people, I think, but it's gone down really well. So go and see what the hype is all about. Uh, James and Steve went through the negative reviews for Resident Evil 2002, the remake, to kind of pick apart the criticisms and make what they could out of people's comments. So uh, yeah, it's a fun, very different kind of piece of content. That's all of us in terms of housekeeping stuff, so let's move on to a rather light edition of the Biohazard News. Our first piece of news and last piece of news, according to howlongtobeat.com, Resident Evil Village was the most completed game of 2021. Good work, everyone. <laughs> yeah, of course, this is only sort of aggregated from the users of howlongtobeat.com. It's a website that I frequent a lot you know, when I start playing up a new game, especially something that we need to play for the show so I can sort of figure out how much time I need to sort of allow myself to get through it as much as possible. Uh, it's a handy little website, but uh, yeah, people use it to kind of track their completion rates for games in their collection and yeah the most completed game of 2021 um so it's continuing to win you know all kinds of different awards uh jordan you pointed out to me recently that it also won the steam game of the year which much like the game of the year that it won with the golden joysticks was uh voted by the fans so that's really cool um so yeah it's 
Again, we know it's sold really well. It's obviously in a lot of hands, but a lot of people are getting through it. It's not a terribly long game, is it? But people have definitely completed it and people are enjoying it. Still, you know, it came out in May and uh, to be at the top there at Game of the Year, that's always good. Uh, Jordan, how do you feel about uh, either of these awards? It's great to see because um, I have not actually yet played it. So it keeps getting me more and more excited mm. every time I see you know, the plaudits that keep getting heap, heaped onto this game. Uh, and it's just, obviously, it's great to see um, a new uh, installment of Resident Evil doing as well with fans as uh, the remakes did. Because, uh, you know, naturally they brought in, uh, you know, a very healthy amount of numbers based on people who grew up with the original games. Uh, but to see uh, a new installment mm. do as well is... Um, it's excellent. Well, we, we kind of felt that even before uh, Village actually came out, that where Resident Evil is right now is in a very healthy place, and it can go off in a lot of different branching paths and find success in all of those. And yeah, I, I think uh, Village is going from strength to strength. Very true, very true. Steve, thoughts? Do we know when it says most completed game, does that mean like a proper completionist run or just a from start game to end credit sequence kind of thing? That's a really good question that I unfortunately don't have no, the answer fair. to. Sort of I'm going like, to assume it's play game, beat, get credits, not like unlock I everything on the so. mercenaries. Um, I'm actually kind of surprised by Steam Game of the Year, if anything. I, you know, mm. I, I, can, I can believe Village because it's a fairly brief game. It's a Resident Evil game. We know how those go. Uh, but Steam's a very eclectic user base. And uh, they, they go from simulators about, like, you know, farming to RTSs, to tactical shooting, and then here comes a survival horror game. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, fair play. You know, I'll, I'll take any caveats for it, because I think Village is a fantastic game. Maybe not the perfect Resi game, but it deserves all the awards it can get. Yes, indeed. Sherwin, anything to add to this? Uh, only on that subject of Steam, actually. I imagine, as you, as you correctly say, Steam is quite a, uh, a mixed bag, and there's quite a wide variety of users on there. It might well be that Resident Evil Village is just the perfect combination of cult fans centered around one game, whereas everyone else is kind of so disparate in terms of what they're all voting for that it kind of finds it easier to sort of rise above. Um, because there's a lot of people, yeah, you know, there's a lot of people playing a lot of different games, so it sort of spreads out the vote quite a lot. Whereas Resident Evil, big fanatical following. Yeah, no, I get you. I get you. That's fair. That's fair. And sort of to tie it up as well, just sort of looking into it a little bit further, um, it was the second most backlogged game last year on how long to beat as well meaning people have put it in their collection in their accounts of how long to beat but uh, have yet got around to it so jordan you've got a lot of company i guess so despite the you know being the most completed it's also high up lists of uh, games that are yet to be completed by people a lot of people own it and haven't started it up yet so that's really interesting as well um i think that's everything on the news front so we can move right on to our breakdown of the 20th anniversary of resident evil gaiden And now, reading the file, P-Epsilon report from Resident Evil 2 1998, Ray, who you can find on Twitter, at First Aid Spray. This report demands immediate attention. The P-Epsilon gas has been proven capable of incapacitating all known BOWs, bio-organic weapon. As such, it has been designated for emergency usage in the event of a BOW escape. Reports based on data collected during prior incidents indicate the potential for negative side effects. 
The B. epsilon gas has proven to weaken the BOW's cellular functions. However, prolonged or repeated exposures will result in the creation of adaptive antibodies to the agent. Furthermore, some species have been observed to absorb the P. epsilon gas as a source of nutrition and use the toxins extracted against anything perceived as a threat. Use of P. epsilon gas should be severely limited to extreme cases only. We strongly request the authority to reevaluate the P. epsilon gas deployment system. We would like this reevaluation to take place immediately. Second R&D room slash security team. Okay, well, it's had to happen eventually, didn't it? Uh, it's been kind of a long time coming. Uh, Gaiden is one of those games that always kind of comes up, um, especially uh, amongst many of us. Whether that's kind of lovingly or as a joke or somewhere in between, it's a title that I think, yeah, it's one of those names that comes up, but I don't think it's a title that gets a huge amount of actual coverage. Usually, you know, it's the butt of jokes and stuff like that, but I feel like, and I've felt like this for a long time, and we'll definitely dig into this, it's a game that not that many people have actually played. Um, be that perhaps because of its quote-unquote reputation or its perception, but nonetheless, I'm very interested to see uh, kind of how our opinions spread out, because we've got some definitely some positive takes, I know, uh, so it'll be interesting to see how we can justify that and that kind of thing. So let's dig in. So uh, Resident Evil Gaiden just turned 20, December of 2021. It's actually the only game in the Resident Evil series, um, as far as I know, and I'm fairly sure it will always be this way, which was released in PAL regions before anywhere else. Um, then the game came to Japan in March of 2002 and June of 2002. Um, it was produced, well, it was developed by M4's tiny little British company who are not around anymore. Um, off of the back of the Resident Evil Game Boy Color port that didn't actually come to completion. Most people will know about that, but if you don't or you would like a refresher, we did a video on the true story of the Resident Evil Game Boy Color port, which kind of leads into Gaiden. So check that out on our YouTube. The link will be in the description of this podcast. Um, overseen by a couple of Capcom devs, Shinji Mikami was also there to assist, and the story was written by Hiroki Kato, who actually directed Code Veronica and wrote Wesker's report as well, which is quite interesting. Um, it was, again, releasing around 2001. It's a really weird time in Resident Evil, kind of the slowing down of the classic style and sort of exploring where else things could go. Of course, we had Survivor a year before this and stuff like that. So it was a really odd time. So whilst Gaiden, I think, has looked back as this really strange oddity, there was a lot of experimentation sort of going on at that point. Um, I think it's best to probably start with Sherwin. Obviously, you're the person who kind of champions this game, either whether it's in a tongue-in-cheek way or a, a, you know, a genuine way. It's up to you to kind of find that line and explain that to us. But well, when do you remember sort of becoming aware of Resident Evil Gaiden for the first time, and what you know when you played it for the first time? Uh, I would have played it. Ugh, I don't. I, I'm not even going to say I played it when it was released. I mm -hmm. I didn't know anything whatsoever about this game's existence at all until one day I was on holiday uh, with my family. I walked into a into this store, um, just kind of aimlessly drifting while the uh, the other while the uh, the rest of the family are kind of browsing whatever they were literally saw this game sitting on the shelf like it's some sort of holy grail shining at me i'm like no that can't be a thing pick <laughs> it up look at it and then go no it is and then went bought it straight away played it to death over the course of the next week um yeah it was 
it, it just came out of nowhere for whatever reason. It, it just wasn't anything that flashed up on my radar, uh, mm-hmm. and then just sort of happened to find it, and that's that. Awesome. Yeah, obviously we you know we talk about the sort of where it was where Resident Evil was at the time, but of course, you know that was sort of early-ish internet. So you know, yeah. it, it, you know now we see stuff like this on Twitter all the time. Of course, you wouldn't necessarily be aware of this. this. Isn't exactly a game that magazines would have been talking about every every month, would you? So I completely understand that experience. Um, Jordan, speaking of the internet, I'm just going to take a wild guess. Is that how you became aware of Resident Evil Gaiden, or did you spot it in a classic retro magazine? And is this the first time you played the game? It is the first time I played the game. Um, it was it was one of those things that sort of I trip upon if I was sort of looking at a you know pile of ROMs or something like that, or looking mm. at old Game Game Boy games online, and it's like you know there were so many kind of odd. Uh, titles that would come to the Game Boy where you would think, the first thing you would think is how does that work on, you know a, a system that has such a sort of limited hardware um, and that one sort of always stood out to me but I never really checked it out, I knew mm-hmm. the music, you know, there's obviously there was some really catchy tunes from Resident Evil Gaiden but besides that, it's always been just one of those, oh yeah, you remember they did actually they did actually make uh, a portable Resident Evil uh, it was between that and the even more obscure Gamecom release of Resident Evil 2. Right. You know, between those two, that was that was all you had in terms of portable Resident Evil for a very long time. And it just sort of, yeah, it just got forgotten. I've absolutely never seen it in the wild. I've never seen a copy of this. Um, and good luck trying to get your hands on one these days, especially. Um, so, no, it was it was only through sort of the, the legends... Um, across the internet that I really learned about this. Right. Yeah, completely understand that. I'm sort of much the same. I remember it being when I sort of got into the Resident Evil Online community that I've talked about before, the early days of the internet and the fan sites. I remember it being on there with, you know, probably the least amount of information of all the games that were on those websites because it's simple and not many people were aware of it. Not many people had it. Even I think back then it probably didn't. I would imagine it didn't sell gangbusters, obviously. Um, so as you say, it's it's hard to get a copy of, of now. I'm very lucky uh, that, uh, shout out to BB Mac from Twitter, supplying his copy over to me to sort of, that's one of those games where, as sort of a light collector of Resident Evil ports, I was like, I'm never going to get Gaiden, but, you know, th- you know, thanks to the community, that's happened. So I do have a physical copy, um, but I played it for the first time. Much like you, I was very aware of, internet memes and stuff about it but i played for the first time about three and a half years ago now uh just about six months before the start of first aid spray Uh, and steve as you know i know you're in the same position what are your early memories of being aware of gaiden and uh your first experience with it experience was playing it for the star reviews episode i had seen it i had seen it in the wild before then but it was a case of oh it's on game boy color i got one of those I'll just wait. And then, you know, days turn to weeks, weeks turn to months. And just moved on. And mm. then obviously reading about it online after the fact of how oh, it's not canon. So I was like, oh, I'm not that bothered anyway. Yeah. And, and uh, it's come full circle to this strange, interesting little uh, game. Yes. As I say, I think it's definitely a subject that we've always wanted to cover in a strange sort of way. It's quite important to sort of first aid spray law, as you kind of touched on there with the video that we did back on my personal YouTube 
um, that summer, three years ago, three and a half years ago now, with Sho and Cameo on as well. Um, that's sort of like one of those proto first aid spray pieces of content that's kind of out there, which yeah. is kind of weird to think about. Uh, and it's about <laughs> it's about Resident Evil Gaiden. So um, let's sort of get into it then. Uh, and Jordan, I think you said something that really sort of set us up for where we're going to start. I want to talk about the gameplay, uh, of course, because that's going to be something that's very different. We're not going to talk about necessarily the battle system. <laughs> which which sounds so weird like if someone's listening to this and has never seen or aware of Resident Evil Gaiden uh, yes there's a battle system we won't be talking about that straight away let's just talk about the overall sort of gameplay stuff uh, and yes Jordan as you pointed out yes Resident Evil on a Game Boy how could that possibly work and again it kind of didn't because they tried to port the first game into the Game Boy and it just wasn't good enough so going back to the drawing board they really had to come up with a completely new direction for Gaiden which was, you know, not uncommon at the time with restrictions of stuff like the Game Boy as opposed to later handheld consoles like the PSP and the DS and to some extent the Switch now, the hybrid console. Uh, it really was restricted what you could do. So instead of fixed camera angles and stuff like that, we have sort of like a top-down perspective. Um, and yeah, so we'll go from there. Um, Sherwin, what's your general thoughts on the, the overall gameplay uh, of Guide and how it compares to the games that came before it? I mean, there's, there's two things there, obviously. There's how it pre- compares to Resident Evil games that came before it and how it compares to Game Boy games that came cool. before it. Because this is... Um, the biggest thing I can say for... I think the reason why I, I adore this game so much is the innovation. It's, right. it's a game which you know, really shouldn't exist under any possible measurable metric. You know, it's it's a Resident Evil game on the Game Boy. It's not even the right aud- target audience for Resident Evil. Mm. Um, in terms of who was were mostly playing the co- you know on the console at this point in time. Um, yeah, it really is something where I think what they managed to do is they managed to push the limits of what the Game Boy could actually achieve with the gameplay as far as it's almost to the literal breaking point of the console. There's not much else that sort of yeah, it's an extremely ambitious game in terms of what it tries to achieve, considering what the Game Boy is and you know what previous Game Boy games were. Like it just blew them all out of the water. It's almost if you play like um if you play like the average Game Boy game you're thinking of and then play this, it's like you're on a different console. Like to give you an idea of of just how different these the you know these two th- it is from the others. Um and in terms of in terms of like the traditional Resident Evil experience, it's it's astonishing how much of that core essence this game manages to capture, even though it, you know it is. Yes, you do sit there and look at it and go, "Wow, the yeah, you know, it looks bad," or you know, "Wow, the the sound sounds like plinky plunk plink plonk." Yeah, you know, it's a Game Boy game. Um, you there's so many things you look at this game and you might kind of just laugh off, but when you drill into the essence of it, it really does kind of capture a lot of those key uh, elements that you should have in any Resident Evil. There's parts of this where you are walking around kind of yeah on the cruise deck or in parts of the ship or whatever with no zombies around and it's just eerie mm. um it just feels really eerie and you almost find yourself waiting for something to jump out and get you in terms of um and we you know we can talk about the combat system later on as you said but you know when when the when the fighting does happen you really do feel tension you feel tense you feel concerned like there's an urgency that's pushed upon you you know it, it feels like Resident Evil, you're afraid of what's going to happen in terms of the enemies coming to get you and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And 
And other than the puzzles, yeah, which obviously aren't necessarily as relevant or aren't here, and it's an interesting one because you think actually that's something the Game Boy could do really well. Um, a lot of the other key parts of kind of you know, going around finding other items, kind of looking for different, you know, exploring, finding different routes into things, that sort of stuff, picking your routes around enemies, that sort of stuff, they're all in here. Yeah. Uh, and it all feels very, very Resident Evil, even if it's not the traditional setup or deployment that you'd be used to uh, with normal Resident Evil gameplay. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with all of that. Like the last point you just make is the prime thing for me, you know, planning routes. And even when there are enemies in your path, that tension of trying to not engage with them, even though the combat in this game is completely different to every other Resident Evil game, it's still that same feeling of, can I duke by this zombie and save my supplies? And that's the most, uh, for me, per- obviously, personally speaking, that is probably the most Resident Evil of Resident Evil things. I think that M4 had one hell of a task because Resident Evil at this point is, you know, it's a big deal by 2001. It's, it's five years into its life compared to the 25 we're at now. But we've had... S- and, you know, a slew of classic games uh, already come out. So handling an IP like that, it's quite a big responsibility. Gaming not mainstream as it is now, but still, in that sphere, it's responsibility. And then being like, well, you have to make it for the Game Boy. Uh, Yeah, it it pays to be bold. It pays to be inventive. So I really have to applaud it for that. And worse yet, 2001... Late 2001 in the UK, the Game Boy Advance was already out in some markets, so it was already falling behind, which I think is probably going to be something perhaps that we come around to in the conclusion. But I think it's a shame because I'd be really interested to see, you know, what this game would be like on that new console and maybe even how it might have landed differently. But that's probably, you know, that's definitely a different subject. Um, Steve, how do you feel about the general overall gameplay? Uh, Surprisingly, very... It gets, to, it gets to the actual main like notes of the Resident Evil experience, doesn't it? You've got to explore an environment. You've got to find, admittedly, not the, not the most compelling files. Most of them are strangely tutorial documents you can miss until the latter stage of the game. Uh, keys, evading enemies, and generally juggling your supplies in a bit more of an attritional state compared to the, uh, the mainline games, whereas in mainline games you can normally keep a healthy balance of ammunition and health. In this, it's sometimes weighing up literally, which which is this going to cost me? If you have to, if you have to weigh up whether you can afford to have a fight, and it's yeah, it's hard to explain, but it reminds me in some ways of the MSX Metal Gear games, and the, the, yeah. the combat is discouraged. I mean, the, the camera angle helps, obviously, it's top down perspective. And if you squint your eyes and you know blow your vision a bit, Barry could be mistaken for Snake in those games, uh, <laughs> you know, and obviously. Getting around the enemies, we're not talking about the combat yet. So yeah, luring them in, trying to faint them into going for a lunge, so you can then evade past them. It's still something you do in the mainline games. All right. Does that make sense? I mean, the only yeah, thing totally. that's really a shame, I think, is that there is a, a lack of BOW variety, uh, yeah. enemy variety, which would probably have spiced it up a bit. In this, you're basically fighting zombies of varying types and uh, two big scary bloke things. So yeah, it, it mostly focusing around looking around items and evasion, and the map is I I, I want to, what I want to say one to one, but very clearly designed about being a cruise liner that could exist. 
And it's got a captain's deck, it's got a command room, it's got cabins, it's even got like a bar and a piano and a uh, canteen and stuff like that. So it's strangely authentic in that way, despite being 8-bit on a Game Boy Color. They've got a lot out of it in that regard. Yes. Yeah, I actually like the location and the, the sort of way it's laid out and the way that the map looks, obviously kind of a bit of a throwback to RE1 um, a little bit. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it, it feels... Mostly pretty good to explore that location, I think. It's got its downsides, most certainly. Um, gaining keys to open locked doors isn't super great, because unlike previous games, doors won't tell you that they're locked with a certain key. Uh, you just kind of got to guess that, oh, this is this locked door opens with this key. Usually nearby, I, I think I found, but uh, it's a shame that just simple touches like that were missing for whatever reason. I mean, it's I funny you mention that. Go ahead. Because like, there's certain items where, like a crowbar, for example, you can examine it and then it will say, hmm, I bet I can use it on this. Like, uh, so that's the, oh, the, okay. the, key, the key item itself tells you where to shove it rather than the door. Oh, um, see, I completely miss that. That's really cool. And again, very classic Resident Evil, so that's on me. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's a. You have to find where it would go first, and then it reinforms the like right. the text pop up, pop up. But there is definitely stuff there on the key items themselves. Mm. The only other thing, of course, missing is the ability to save at a typewriter. Um, that's kind of a. If you are playing the actual physical cartridge, uh, it's going to kind of suck. If you're playing it on a ROM, it's much easier because you can save state. Because this game only gives you 14 specific points where you can save throughout the story. Uh, and if you die, that's not too bad because you kind of respawn uh, fairly close to where you were. But you better hope your batteries don't run out, I guess. Um, Jordan, how do you feel about the overall gameplay's highs and lows and how it compares to Resident Evil, you know, as, it, as we knew it then? Well, I think uh, you only really need to sit down and start playing it for about five to ten minutes for... Um, the translation job that they have, uh, you know, M M four have effectively done to take Resident Evil, put it onto a Game Boy. You you can see that come to fruition and really make sense. It's not just that it's oh yeah, here's the characters I know and here's the enemies that I know. It's like no no, this is uh, the best possible way that you could make the Game Boy. Uh, sorry, the this is the best possible way that you could make Resident Evil on the Game Boy. And, uh, uh, yeah, it was it was very impressive, really, because it's not... Um, it, it's not sort of technically experimental where it's... It, you know, it is like that original uh, concept where they're trying to kind of almost make a one-to-one -one mm -hmm. of a 3D game and it just doesn't work. This is very much in... Um, built on foundations of typical Game Boy design, and that's why it works so well. I think that the SS Starlight is um, a pretty excellent environment to explore in. It's not too big, it's not too small, and it has plenty of variety. I think that, you know, obviously at their core, Resident Evil games are typically Metroidvania in style. Uh, there's a lot of exploration, there's a lot of backtracking. You need memorable places. That is you know, key for any Metroidvania, and it's a key for any Resident Evil game, of course, as well. So I was surprised with how much they were able to get out of, not just through the graphics, but obviously the actual design and the level design uh, of the game, where if you did find an item and it told you uh, a room on a certain floor, it wasn't just about remembering the, the floor, but 
remembering that certain room, you go, oh yeah, of course, I, I, I know where to, I know how to get there, uh, I know which route to take. So it works really well. Um, as as we mentioned, it it sort of it's a a great one to one translation for what the hardware is, and I was surprised with how just how much of uh, the original games remain intact. Uh, as they as they come over to the Game Boy, I love the idea of being able to evade zombies, um, and also you know being able to maybe lure them into different corners so that you can give yourself a little bit more of a berth to actually get past them. That's great. That is um, that's kind of a signature of developers really taking the time to think about what they can get out of the platform that they're working on and the game series that they're trying to pay tribute to. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it comes across really strong. Um, I mean, as far as things like puzzle elements, it was maybe in comparison to the rest of the series, a little bit more lacking. Um, but I don't think I necessarily missed it. There was, there was still a lot for me to do in the game. Uh, I think that the length is barely appropriate. Um, but of course it's, it's, it's one of those things where you do wish that they maybe had introduced something like ink ribbons. It doesn't feel like something that would necessarily be um, something they were limited from. Uh, but I, do, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I do know that it's, it is a bit frustrating, say, if you were playing on original hardware and you're playing with a cartridge, you're not going to know where those save points are. You're right. just going to have to guess that maybe one's coming up soon. Um, but it, it, you know, it's a bit sort of treacherous because... You really don't know if your progress is about to be banked in the next corner, or if you are, you know, twenty zombies away from the next checkpoint, mm. and that's a bit frustrating because, you know, you'll be left in the dark for a while, thinking, well, uh, am I going to have a little bit of a reprieve? Am I start? Am I going to be able to start going into new areas where I can perhaps get, uh, you know, more ammunition, or do I really have to, uh, you know, watch? where I'm going and exactly how many bullets I'm using because I'm actually quite far away from the next checkpoint. And, and, and that's, it's, it's not a huge problem, but it is, it is there. And that's just, that's just one of the limitations of the, the save system that they chose to implement. Yeah. It's interesting. I'll quickly jump in on that because I, and I totally get where you're coming from, by the way, I really do. But one of the things I would possibly say about this game that's interesting is, for me, this this game exists in a cusp of it's an older gen. It's a game made for an older generation of gamers, and one that the skills you need to play it and to to uh, interact. Not necessarily you need to interact with it, but the way in which you interact with it has just changed over the years. And gamers now have different expectations, different skill sets, and different approaches to things. Like all of the stuff you just mentioned to me. I could happily sit down and write that down as like a as an actual sell sheet to someone saying this is what raises your tension, this is what makes you afraid, this is what mm. keeps you on edge while you're playing this game. They're all selling points as a different perspective, and I know that's kind of that's all of that. What you just said there is very Resident Evil. There is there is nothing Resident Evil about knowing. Okay, so I know a save point is coming up in the next room, or I know I can save X amount of times and I'll be okay. This idea of I can only save a limited number of times. I don't know where the next save point is. I don't know how much ammunition I've got or how much health I've got or whatever else. I need to be careful. That feels a really good way of raising the tension when you've got limited hardware. It kind of taps into that core experience the player's doing because the game can only do so much so the player has to do the rest themselves. 
I mean, yeah, it certainly can. In in this in the spirit of like the game design of Resident Evil, yeah, it can certainly drive tension. The only problem is that it's a, it's a bit of a missing function, really, because in the in the rest of the Resident Evil games, you've got typewriters, and yes, you may not know where exactly they are or when you're going to find the next save room, uh, and that could obviously heighten tension. But you'll always have ink ribbons, typically. You'll know how many ink ribbons you have and that you have them, and if you're going to end a game session, you have the freedom to know, well, if I go back to this room, I'll be able to save, I'll be able to turn off the game, and I will be able to keep all my progress. Whereas if you were playing Gaiden back in the day on a cartridge... Um, you might need to go turn off your Game Boy and you don't know if you're going to turn a corner and possibly get to the next uh, save. I mean, they're not so infrequent that it's it's ridiculous. Um, no. It's just you don't know where they are. Hmm. I think, yeah, it's interesting. It's definitely an interesting discussion to have. I think that my personal preference would always be I have the choice of when I save, but I have limited saves. That's the beauty of ink ribbons. But I can right. certainly sort of see the argument at the other side of it. It very much reminds me of, and you know, at the top of the show, we talked about not recommended. And one of the best parts of that episode for me was the review for Resident Evil Remake, where someone said, I started, you know, drawing my own map and writing all these notes down. And it's like, cool, that's a very old school Resident Evil thing to do when you're playing these games and lots of people had those experiences and you know that's worthwhile to some people uh, and showing as you said for other generations it's completely different like now if you were going to curiously play resident evil guide and after hearing this podcast after seeing it online for all these years but never giving it a go you know there's walkthroughs out there there's no shame in checking those walkthroughs for where the save room is just so you get that experience it's all completely what you want to do so yeah i can certainly see both sides of the argument um, any more notes on general gameplay before we move into the combat system? Is there like 15, maybe 16 save states in total the game gives you? I think you? it's 14. Yeah, I think it's 14. Yeah, that, that seems uh, seems reasonable. I was just, uh, while we are going through, I thought I'd check the world record for uh, Resident Evil <laughs> Garden. I can't get any definitives, but just above 30 minutes seems to be the go-to. Goodness me. Yeah, I think it's yeah. about, what's the average completion time? Something like four, three or four hours? Maybe not even yeah. that. So I mean that's that's kind of crazy when you consider the, the the level of like you know movement in that game that is required because a lot of the key items are one side of the deck to go to the other side of the deck and right. so on. Yeah, the idea of speed running this game scares the hell out of me just because of trying to avoid zombies in the slickest possible way. I just can't do it. Mm. <laughs> I'm terrible. I imagine this would be the game. I'd imagine this would be the game that has speedrunners rage quitting, like just screaming <laughs> at zombies on the screen because they've ruined their run. Absolutely. Yeah. So show it when you speed run and guide and right. <laughs> I'm not a speedrunner, I don't have the skill set. I'm too old these days. <laughs> Alright, let's yeah. talk about the combat system then, I think. So this is and I I'm gonna do some, you know, sort of callbacks to that video from I'd say back in the day almost there, but three and a half years ago. Um because much of my thoughts on Gaiden are, you know, the same as they were. Usually when we play a when we're gonna talk about a game, I'll always replay it, no matter how recently I've played it make a bunch of notes but i feel like i my experience with gaiden was much the same this time as it was um i you know i knew how i felt about it so a lot of them you know similar points to as i've made before but i always i was a certain point when i was growing up where i loved both resident evil and final fantasy and my brain would try and combine them and how cool would a turn-based resident evil be and this isn't necessarily a turn-based resident evil but it's pretty close it's the closest thing we got to a resident evil 
RPG almost. We have ran not random encounters because there's zombies on the on the the deck of the ship that will grab you, or you can aim at to initiate a battle. And then it becomes this sort of sweet home styled first person. Yeah, I don't even know how to describe it. Battle system. Um, Steve, you described this previously, and I'll never unthink it, as being kind of like Undertale. It's way more simple than Undertale, of course. But you have yeah. The, yeah, the bar along the bottom, uh, underneath each enemy, and you need to basically fire your weapon or, or you know, slash your knife uh, over that bar. In the center is your critical hit, and you need to dispatch these enemies as they sort of move closer towards you. Um, Steve, aside from comparisons to Undertale, how do you feel about the battle system in uh, Resident Evil Gaiden? Novel, especially when you consider it's on a Game Boy. Uh, I, I think, me personally, I would have gone with more of a Contra-style route or something. You know, uh, but for the fact that it's its own separate little instance and each room slash battle arena is uh, got its own background vignette and the monsters slowly trundle towards you. The, the the main thing is the game's very much like I've said earlier, very attritional. Once an enemy gets close, you'll be able to hit it with your knife, but you are guaranteed damage. Um, the heart, I want to. Is it right that the, the more powerful the weapon is, the harder it is to actually land a hit with it? Is that right? Am I going crazy? I'd say I noticed. Mm, no, specifically with like the rocket launcher and the yeah, grenade launcher, the dial right. moves at lightning speed, so the chances of oh, you hitting yes. it with a slow, cumbersome weapon is rather cruel. But uh, yeah, if you've played Undertale and you've gone the evil genocide route, um, <laughs> you'll know exactly what I mean about landing hits uh, in comparison, because in that there's a slider that moves across the screen, you have to hit in the middle to get the damage. Yeah, each enemy in this case has its own mini little gauge of a hit area and then a critical hit area. All the while, you have three characters potentially you can use. Uh, each, If one of them dies, it's game over. It doesn't matter if it's Lucy, Leon, or Barry. And they can all be equipped with unique weapons, and you can still fiddle with the inventory mid-game. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else to touch on. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty simple. I mean, to be fair, I will give you that one about the genocide Undertale run, because... I played pacifist, of course, so I had <laughs> a completely different experience. But yeah, it's it's not tons to it. It's novel's a great word. It's really interesting. Um, it it kind of and this is sort of leaning back into what we said. It's to me, it kind of asks you to prep before battle because, as you just said, you can heal in battle, you can swap weapons, but it's generally something that you shouldn't be doing because there's no it doesn't pause during this enemies are moving forwards and potentially attacking you um so i kind of like that where it's like oh there's something scary in the distance let me put up, pull up my inventory and make sure i've got something equipped you know or if i've got a handgun with two shots in it i'm probably better off going in with the knife rather than try and swap or something or maybe just swap straight to the shotgun or something i kind of like that um it, for me, I don't know if this is true of everyone else, I found it best to avoid battle a lot of the time, which was a shame, because you do get resources from enemy drops, and the game kind of highlights which enemies, or it tries to highlight which enemies are going to drop you resources, but you just burn through them just as quick, I found. Um, so quite early on, it was like, well, best to avoid battle. And again, a case can be made that's very Resident Evil appropriate, but... Uh, it does feel like it's cutting itself off at the knees a little bit when it when it starts to feel that way for me. Jordan, what did you think of the combat and the weird first-person battle system of Gaiden? 
Well, there's a surprising amount of depth to it, which is is great. I think this is the right way uh, to go um, because it could have been, uh, I suppose, sort of in environment, you know, real time mm. uh, shooting. Um, ironically, M4 before they did dissolve in 2003, they um, they released the GBA game, Mission Impossible Operation Surma, which kind of has the same kind of I you know top down sort of layout as. Gaiden does, but all of the combat is done within the environment. And I, you know, I don't know if the particular player that I was watching on YouTube was just not very good at it, but there's not a lot of finesse to it. You, you just have to, you know, if you're going to shoot somebody in the back, you have to just hope that they're lined up and staying still, because as soon as you, you know, take that shot, they could move and they just miss, and it's very awkward. This was uh, a much better approach, I think, for, for zombies. Um, I particularly like the fact that uh, if you decide on how you're going to approach a zombie, especially if you're going, if you are going to face one, uh, depending on the weapon that you have equipped, you can aim at them within the environment ahead of mm. time. Which means that uh, I think it's if you press and hold the B button, you'll get a little reticle that uh, you can then sort of drag uh, across the screen. And as I say, depending on the weapon that you have. Uh, it, it can go further across the screen with a longer right. range, which means that when you do get to the battle screen, the zombie is actually further away from you, which does mean that uh, the actual bar that you need to hit um, to actually register uh, a shot is smaller, but you have, a, you have more opportunity to actually be able to take some of these zombies out before they can reach you. Um, and I think that's, that's really cool. And it's... Uh, I mean, you know, when I first played it, it kind of felt like trying to do the Gears of War perfect reload or some kind of rhythm game. That's how, like, the the first-person combat felt like. It's lining it up and timing it correctly. Um, I mean, to be honest, most of the time I did cheese it. I just sort of moved the, the camera to the side so that the actual... The area that you need to hit is right oh, yeah. at the edge of the screen, and it's a mm -hmm. lot easier then to land hits. Um, mm -hmm. So, I, I mean, as far as uh, what there is to the design of this, I think it's I think it's excellent, and it's something that I think I gave like Gaiden a world maybe on an emulator a good few years ago, and when I first got to that first person section, I did not get it. I was like, "What is going on here? Why are they doing this?" Mm. Um, but now, obviously, having played through it, uh, it makes a ton of sense, um, and it's, it's very enjoyable. Um, I, I think that it can it can work quite well. It is true that um, while zombies drop ammo, uh, you depending on your skill level, you may not actually get that much from the additional ammo that you pick up. Because I mean, some zombies, if you're if you're good, it might only take like two to three handgun bullets, but if you're not, it could take five. And then what do you get for if if they do drop something for you, you get about six handgun bullets. Mm. So a net gain of one bullet, which is it's not great. So yeah, you definitely if you can avoid enemies, you, you learn to avoid enemies. Mm -hmm. Especially because there is obviously the issue of enemy respawns. Yes. Yeah. That's a very good point as well. Yeah. Um I yeah, it's 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 always really interesting because Gaiden is not a game that uh, a lot of people talk about it, including us. It's so interesting to hear these opinions for the first time. Something I'm very curious about, and being that it was years ago, Sherrod, I'm sure you don't necessarily remember. But any idea what 
and again, coming into it completely without any expectation because the three of us would have seen it online before we played it. Any idea what your original reaction to, oh, I'm doing a first person, yeah, as Jordan said, rhythm based sort of mini game battle thing? You know, old me would tell you it's the most. Uh, it, this will sound like hyperbole. Um, so I mean it in a very much a small sense. I don't mean it in like a sustained heart, yeah, sort of um, heartbreakingly kind of, oh my God, this is incredible kind of thing. But it was breathtaking when you played it. Just understanding this is really, really clever. Mm. Like literally, it's the best way I've got to describe it. I remember getting into this and going, wow, this is really clever. Like the way they've managed to capture this. Because exactly as you've just said, if you're trying to change guns during a fight, feels tense as if you're trying to fight if you're trying to shoot the zombies and you miss you feel really bad like Mm -hmm. you know as the thing is going closer like you know and you're just willing that reticule to kind of get closer so you can actually do it like again feels really really um just urgent and that really for me captured this whole extra dimension which actually in resident evil at the time was quite absent because most of your Resident Evil foes, if you think about the original Resident Evil, you walk to the opposite end of the room and then you stand there slowly shooting it until it kind of goes and falls to the ground. You stand there with your gun still aimed, knowing it's going to stand up once more because a blood pool didn't pick up above it, and then yeah. repeat, and then it's dead. And there's very few cases where you get hemmed in in a corner by several enemies or you, know, you have to deal with a hunter because mostly you're just not going to go in the rooms they are if you can avoid them. Yeah. Um, this doesn't have that at all. This feels urgent. This feels dangerous. This feels like you really don't want to get in combat with those zombies for all the reasons we talked about. Old me, yeah, and, and sorry, just as a side note, the only thing that, weirdly, the thing that I would have compared it to at the time, it's like a golf game. Um, it's got that swing. That's what the, that's what the bar is, it's a golf swing. Mm. But um, old me now looks at it and sees it as flawed genius. Like it's, it, it still remains a really, really innovative and amazing take on how you can emulate a resident evil game and brings bring something really interesting and cool into that into that sort of uh into that approach and it, it's excellent but exactly as exactly as you just said like you know it's full of exploits you can move you know, you can change weapons before you get into combat i mean that okay that doesn't necessarily feel like an exploit but it does take away some of that charm you right. can just move it so it's at the edge of the screen so you've got the biggest landing spot for your shot like there's a few things where you almost feel like they would have looked at it and there's a bit of players intended versus how you can actually play it, uh, I think is, the, is I think the perhaps curse of this. And there's a few interesting points as well. We said it earlier with terms of lack of diversity of enemies, and I definitely agree and understand that. Mm-hmm. It would have been interesting if you had some enemies where you have like a horde of zombies, uh, like almost as a single sprite coming towards you and a much larger kind of aiming reticule as a result, so you can just sort of fire into the middle of it. Mm. Or if you had something where, you know, you had... Um, yeah, because that means you could fire different weapons within into that and do have different effects. Like, I would have wanted to push it a bit further, and I don't know whether that's going at last too far beyond the limitations of the Game Boy, but I would have tried to kind of mix it up a little bit more in terms of what the combat was because as much as it is really really smart and really clever by the end of the game it wears on you it does feel a bit tired like if you if you for all the the you know you have that novel feeling of i don't want to get in this combat and this is scary and everything else 
by the end of the game, you do feel a bit kind of, okay, and here we are again. And I think the biggest reason is there's part of it somehow that really zooms into that worst kind of JRPG grinding where you just find yourself wandering around the halls and getting dragged into random combats. And I think that, that unfortunately, is definitely what this evokes, which I'm very conscious of um, and even grew tired of at the time. As much as it is clever, it needs that little bit something else to make it really feel like each combat is slightly different than I get in combat, I move it to this, so my aiming's in the edge of the screen, and then just do that a few times till they're dead. Yes, uh, that's definitely something that I want to talk about as well. But in all fairness, where I just kind of came in saying, well, you know, it's a little bit basic, but hearing you guys talk about it, you know, there's all these little things that I didn't even necessarily really think too much about. But there is a lot of little moments, like the, you know, different weapon speeds moving the whatever you want to call that, along the bottom, at different speeds, depending on what weapon you've got, taking range into account, um, moving th- you know, moving the camera to sort of benefit you. And even one that we haven't mentioned showing that you sprung into my mind there where you talked about you know, getting surrounded in the other games, that can kind of happen here too, because if you get into a battle with one zombie and it happens to be another zombie elsewhere on the map, on the, you can see him on the screen, usually you'll end up in a battle with a couple of zombies, like one bit further away which is really cool they actually kind of integrated that i completely agree that it does get tired and to steve's point about bow diversity as well fighting bosses you know is exactly the same as fighting a zombie really you just gotta smack it a lot with whatever weapon you got in the center it dies there's not really any variation on how the enemies work i completely agree like and in the same way that thinking about oh what could a sort of resident evil game with a i, I want to call it turn-based battle but it's not but that kind of thing kind of starts itching in my brain. There's there's so much you can do with it, like the Horde of Zombies, having enemies that could move from where they are in the position rather than just getting larger, just move from one side to the other. And it, that's kind of why I lament where it's like, it, for a Game Boy Color, they did amazingly well with the system at the time, but for the Game Boy Advance, think about <laughs> how, how much they could expand on it. I can't believe my brain is like, sequel for Gaiden would have been really cool if it had done well. Um, but there is like this is the, the sort of like an interesting grounding to see where else you could take this. Um, it's really interesting to me that we all have very positive takes on this. Uh, I, I imagine most people listening to this were ready for us to make jokes out of this, but it's it's really nice for everyone to be like, actually, when you actually play the game, there's some cool stuff here. <laughs> and now, reading the file cleaning reports from Resident Evil Revelations and Vin you can find at twitch.tv forward slash vinnada. March 25th. There were some kind of barnacles sticking to the bottom of the pool. Don't know where they came from. Please take care of them. March 30th. The barnacles are back again. Looks like they are grouping together into a little colony. Maybe they are a new species? Might be fun to keep some as a pet. April 10th. Looks like the pipe that distributes the water was damaged. It was fixed, but there's a chance there was some contamination on this end. The guy in charge of security wasn't very happy. Maybe it has something to do with the new species of barnacle? April 12th. Yikes! That's no new species of barnacle, that's for sure. So, gameplay aside, let's talk a little about the story. This is the first game in the Resident Evil series where you play as Barry Burton. It may not be non it may be non-canonical, 
but it it supersedes Revelations 2 by many, many years. But Barry Burton is one of the two leading men teaming up with Leon, which is a really cool and unique combination of characters. Even still today, you don't really see those characters. Um, I, I don't even know if there's one Mercenaries game with both of them in. I'm pretty sure it's never happened. This might be the only game. You can, uh, you can get them both on Revelations 2. Just point it out. Okay, cool. There you go. That's the clarification that I was kind of hoping for. Well, well there you go. Um, yeah, so there's, a, there's an outbreak on a passenger ship. Um, Leon goes in to investigate and goes missing. It's your standard. Bravo team goes missing. Alpha team goes in. Uh, Bravo team is Leon. Alpha team is Barry. Uh, and they encounter a mysterious girl called Lucia and a shape-shifting tyrant. Um, there's a bit more to it than that, but we don't necessarily need to go into it. Uh, right away but um showing how do you feel about the plot of gaiden do you feel like there's a lot to it too simple could it could there have been more uh no i actually quite i think it it worked it doesn't yeah it goes along at a fair pace it knows what <laughs> it's doing it's it's it keeps things simple enough that you don't ever feel kind of lost what am i doing or where am i going or whatever else um which is good I remember being a bit bummed out at the time. So, like, oh, don't make Barry the bad guy again. Like, you know, being a big bad, being a big Baz fanboy. Right. I remember playing it and just feeling a bit, oh, you basically, you've gone for the same angle of Barry's a bad guy secretly. Oh, no, wait, he's not. And that felt a bit tired. Mm. Um, I think it's safe to say that Barry and Leon do not work as partners uh, in any way, <laughs> shape, or form. Um, I do think the writing for Leon is spot on. Yes, hundred um, percent agree with that. And uh, I, so, even to the point where I think, and I say this for Mister KDB, I think this is possibly the best portrayal of Leon uh, that we would see after RE two until probably Welcome to Raccoon City. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, like it's yeah, it feels more in keeping with it. And and yeah, to be fair, that works well because as we all know, after this, we don't actually get Leon in any of the video games. <laughs> Because uh, I refuse to believe this isn't canon. So there we okay. are. That's fine. Yep. Take it up with Neptune from the Resident Evil podcast. He'll agree with you right there, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree all around. It's not overly complicated, but there's enough there. Like, it's cool that the game doesn't end on and then we killed the monster and went home and had, you know, hot car, you know, hot chocolate or whatever. The end, everyone lives happily ever after. There's actually a very weird cliffhanger, an implication that Leon... It's all infected, or he's the BOW, and it leaves things on a really strange note. Um, I completely agree as well. The the script in this for a Game Boy game, I can't believe it. It's actually good. I like the back and forth between the Barry and Leon, who, as you said, uh, really not the best kind of partners, and probably shouldn't be working together. And their you know their personalities came across quite well. I was I was pretty impressed. Also. Resident Evil Gaiden beating Village out to the punch, shapeshifting BOWs before Village was here. So that's pretty cool as well. What I, what I particularly enjoy is the part where, having played it again recently, just for especially for this, I, I enjoy the part where Leon is saying, no, no, it's okay, it's okay, she's, she's not really a bad person, and then proceeds to describe this random mysterious girl that's somehow still alive on a ship full of, of not aliens, of zombies, as, oh no, her powers... Like as soon as you use the word her powers, you kind of lose any argument that she's actually completely normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, wonderful, wonderful there, and and typical, typical Leon. Because I think most people lose track of, most people lose sight of Leon as this kind of badass from RE4 onwards. But Leon that we had then was just this guy who kind of chased around Ada all over the place and was hopelessly gullible. Mm-hmm. So, 
So uh, that sort of fits for me. <laughs> um, Jordan, thoughts on the story? Uh, very little, because I skipped most of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at first, I started, I started like you know, reading the text, and I was just thinking, "This, wow, there's a lot of screens. There's, I could be shooting zombies right now." Tap, 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 tap. Um, and thankfully, it is very easy to skip that stuff. But clearly, um, you know, just by how much I was skipping, they certainly made a lot of it, considering there was only about six or seven characters in the whole game. Um, so, yeah, I don't really have much to add on that front, apart from it is cool to see, uh, you know, a Barry and Leon, you know, partnership in a, in a game. It is rare. Um, and I like the kind of Thing-esque aspect of a shape-shifting B.O.W. That's mm. cool. Um, that's it. <laughs> okay. Steve, thoughts on the plot and story? Lots of questions. Uh, <laughs> having gone through it twice now, I still have lots of questions. Namely, how, how did the initial outbreak begin? Why are there two tyrants when we only see one get born? I'm assuming there must be someone like Lucia who uh, perishes before the game begins and becomes the first tyrant-like being. I'm not sure. We don't even really get details on the B.O.W. Beagle, does It's a bioweapon! Oh my god! You know, um, the actual banter between the characters is cool. I love the, the fake-out with Barry. Basically, I'm with Umbrella now. Whereas, actually, it's a... Could you really do with nicking your submarine umbrella? Can you lend one over for a loan, please? You know, calling an Uber, kind of, in the middle of the sea. Um, the fact that even Barry and Leon's tested relationship, he still knows when Leon's fake. Mm -hmm. uh, Lucia, I don't really get much from other than oh my god, and I can sense the monsters, which uh, is a is a key thing, I think, to um, untangling the web of what has happened to Leon at the end of the game. Because although Lucia's right. powers appear to have dissipated, she would have known ahead of time if Leon the fake is really Leon or not, right? Maybe question mark. <laughs> question mark is right, I think. Yeah. Does that yeah, make any sense? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I certainly see what you're saying. She is, to your point, though, um, in terms of her character, she's very much plot device, the human, isn't she? Really? Yeah. But... <laughs> I'm not well, massively keen on the... I guess the outbreak is... And again, this is still with a big question. How do the tyrant or tyrants get there? But I, is, it's, don't they say the tyrant can just infect people and turn them into zombies? Because I remember not being massively keen on the fact that it just would turn people into zombies randomly um but yeah there's no explanation for how it got there or why it's, it's got to be right there's got to be a, another one like lucia on board who goes the full development as they explain where eventually the thing inside her brain becomes a tyrant and eats her essentially from the inside out mm. but right? again, that's how we've got an outbreak across the ship because otherwise there's just like a ship floating in the middle of god knows where let's say the bermuda triangle for the sake of the laugh um and Leon's just there, dithering about, looking for a girl in a raincoat. Like, <laughs> not to be cruel to Gaiden, you know, I, I can I can see its I can see its merits, but the story kind of leaves me very confused in places. Is it more or less confusing than Resident Evil Zero? Uh, you see, that's the question, isn't it? Zero tries to explain too much while making no sense, whereas Gaiden leaves a bit too much up to the um, the player. I think. Interesting. I unfortunately cannot answer any of your queries. I'm not really sure that anyone can, to be honest. Oh, well, um, the, the, you say that the, the, the lead writer was still like the, the person to code Veronica, though. Mm. And, and that's like a lot of people praise that game story. Uh, you know, so 
yeah. I'm being mean. I, I don't want to be mean. I just I feel, I feel like um, these are questions that I would like answers to. I'm not going to get. Uh, right. Maybe it's maybe this. You know, he had answers um, uh, for my dreamed up Game Boy Advance sequel that we never got to guide in. You know, you don't leave a confusing cliffhanger about whether Leon is Leon or not like that without plans to follow it up. But I guess it just didn't happen. Or maybe it did. You know, and it Resident Evil 4 Leon <laughs> isn't Leon. Who knows? And that's your mission, Steve, to find out. I can just <laughs> imagine you, like, at the top of a hill looking off in the horizon. You say, somewhere out there in that world, somebody <laughs> knows what the hell happened in that game. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm going to find easy, out. The easy answer is yes, Gaiden isn't canon. But <laughs> we like to say, even if it's just a bit of a meme, that Gaiden is canon. Um, but even then, like who who are the uh, the special forces dudes that Barry and Leon and the rest of them are hanging around with? We've got Headset Man, who doesn't have a name. I think he's just called the Operator or whatever. Yeah, yeah. The world's most generic looks like he could be like run a tea room in the UK kind of dude with a headset on. Um, and then the captain of the Umbrella ship, who apparently knows everything that's going on, but decided to not intervene in the first place. Mm. So I tell you, what we need to do is we need to. Schedule an interview with the director and find out ourselves. So look out for that video on the first day to play YouTube. Probably never. <laughs> Maybe they'll expand upon it in the remake for Oculus Quest 2 VR edition. <laughs> yeah. Or possibly on April the 1st. Uh, oh, yes, it. that's right. <laughs> um, with with Sai wearing a beard. Um... <laughs> yeah, that'll happen. Um... <laughs> I've seen the pictures. Oh, yeah. We've all seen the pictures now, Sai. That's the I thing. Know. It, it can be done. It just won't be. Right. So let's move swiftly on from this minefield to presentation, um, to music specifically. Um, I think, Sherwin, I'm going to let you start with this one. What do you think of the audio presentation of Resident Evil Gaiden, the music, sound effects, so on, etc.? Um. Considering what the Game Boy was capable of, it's, in terms of the sound effects, astonishing. Um, I didn't... This has genuinely got some of the best uh, actual voice work, I guess, if you want to call it that, for a lot of zombie grown that I think you can actually hear on a Game Boy uh, or any Game Boy game. Like, most of the games just sound like a distorted mess. And even, you know, when it says Resident Evil at the start, it, it sounds that way. But it sounds a bit clearer, but... But the actual zombie groans and stuff are, are really, really good, really impressive. And there's a lot of variety. It's not just a simple one single zombie groan or whatever. Like, there's mm. a few in there. Um, so, yeah, they did really, really well. In terms of the actual music, I mean, yeah, I said it earlier. It is Game Boy music at the end of the day. But at the same time, it's still got a sense of urgency to it. It still sounds quite eerie in places. It still conveys this sense of loneliness and trepidation as well at the same time. It seldom. What's interesting about it is it seldom outstays its welcome or feels awkward or is something where you grow tired of it. For whatever for whatever mm. way that the soundtrack works, it just fits really, really nicely. No one in their right mind is going to put it up here and go, "I relax to this," or "This is in the same league as the other Resident Evil soundtracks," because they are obviously head and shoulders above most other games, just completely. But it's still really, really impressive. Yeah, I think that they did really well with what they had to work with. You know, some of it does feel a little bit like Resident Evil. Not not much of it, but some of it does. And what doesn't necessarily sound like Resident Evil, considering the limitations, at least invokes those feelings that you're talking about. It feels like horror music. Um, 
parts of it great for me uh but some of it you know i like the i kind of liked a fair amount of it uh the first time i played it but on a replay it's grown on me even more actually um you're right i wouldn't necessarily sit and listen to it all the time but it, it has its place in the game and it it yeah it ties it all together quite nicely. It, you know, it's that remark. I think without it, it would be a lesser game. Certainly, it, you'd get those horror vibes a whole lot less. And uh, the battle music's a bop. <laughs> That's just oh. a fact. Battle music's great. Steve, thoughts on the uh, audio presentation? Uh, before I go all in and become negative Nelly once again, I want to say that I'm still very impressed that for an 8 megabit Carpet cartridge max. We've got like admittedly heavily bit crushed, but still Resident Evil 2 zombie moans uh, mm. used for when they clock you or engage, not necessarily in combat itself. Then you've got weird bit crushed gunshot sounds. Um, the, the environments and stuff, uh, sorry, environments talk about the sound, Steve, you brain dead idiot. Um, all right, so musically, I would actually say there's a bit of a lack motif, I believe that's the word, with the do 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 when you're exploring. There's like variations on it, but it seems to be consistent. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> the battle music, I like. I will agree with you. I think both variations, because one's like the title screen's theme, just with the actual intro chopped off, and then it's got another battle theme, and they're both fun. Very silly, wouldn't fit them in a true... True is probably not the right word, but a, a traditional Resident Evil experience, but for a separate little battle mode, it's cool. I could see someone I'm, taking a a route and remixing it into a mercenary-style techno beat. Yeah, definitely. I'm now picturing someone needs to mod a Resident Evil game so that when you aim, the battle music from Gaiden starts playing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's fine. Like generally, I think for for an eight bit like Game Boy game, it's it's a testament to what they pulled off. Not unlike what they pulled off for the N sixty fours RE two. You know, getting right. so much on them. Uh, do I like the music? Mostly not, but I can appreciate <laughs> the effort that went in. Yeah, I uh, I think I agree with both of you again about the zombie moans you both mentioned. They are they're pretty good. I, this, the title screen's pretty awful. It's probably the worst one in the series. But again, what do you expect of a Game Boy? You know, they got it in there. You know, another Resident Evil staple. It sounds pretty terrible, but it's there. Um, zombie moons are cool, but the only problem with them is they can play a lot <laughs> all at once. Uh, it's like a barrage of zombie moans sometimes. And, it, and they eat know, the music. They, 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 they literally cuts off yeah. the music, so it becomes a bit of a cacophony oh. at times, unfortunately. Which, again, maybe just a little more time in the oven to iron that out and reduce the rate at which they're coming which is a shame because they are really good but you kind of wind up a little bit irritated by them because it becomes this weird cacophony of sound uh jordan did you have any issues with that and what's your general feeling of the audio i think it's i think it's all right i think it's uh it's pretty good i mean this is a 2001 game boy color title so as as far as sound i i think just about everything um you know, every rock had been turned with regards to what kind of tricks and uh, mm. what kind of optimization you can do to get the most out of the sound. And it, uh, for the most part, they do. Um, I, I mean, I love the fact that they, they did get in the Resident Evil at the start, <laughs> just because just it's like, well, you know, it, it is worth the, the, the fragments of memory that it would take up, and it's, uh, it's a nice touch. But, yeah, it, I mean, as far as the soundtrack, it almost feels like it's cut down the middle. Uh, there is two very different moods going on. Um, and so you have the more abstract approximations of what 
tension themes sounded like in the original Resident Evil games. Uh, and then you have bops. You just have like funky songs, which are more akin to um, you know some some of the really cool eight bit music that you would hear you know in NES games and obviously other Game Boy games. Um, I like that stuff. I absolutely love what it, I guess is the cutscene theme. I I yeah. don't know. Oh. I, I don't know the names of the tracks or anything, but um, that is one of my favorite songs. Not just in the Resident Evil game. That's just one of my favorite game songs. Period. I just, I don't know. It's it's so limited in its hardware, and yet it's such a funky tune. Uh, I can I can listen to that on loop for ages. So, really like that side. I was not that keen on the um, on the more sort of minimal aspect of you know what is played for most of the overworld. Um, I know exactly what they were doing and what they were achieving, and I and I think that's just about the only way that they could do it, really, because you have to go in one direction. You either, sorry, you, you either have to go in one direction of um, kind of bringing the beat upwards and kind of turning these more into uh, tunes, uh, mm-hmm. which would be, you know, you you have it on plenty of eight bit games where they'll take a song from, say, like, a movie and speed it up and turn it eat, mm. um, just so that it sounds a bit more consistent, especially because they're working with limitations. Uh, or you have no music at all, which obviously was out of the question. You, if you can put something in there, then you might as well, because uh, it's it's certainly a very lonely game at points. Um, uh, and so if you're not in the battle modes, you'll want to hear something. Uh, so, Yeah. It was not to my ears liking, but I think they did uh, well enough with it. And uh, yeah, it works. And obviously all the sound effects, um, yeah, are pretty good. I really particularly like the uh, tune that plays once a zombie's got a hold of you, and it's before mm. you go into the battle mode. Oh. It's it's such a tiny little tune, but I love that, because it's just like, you can always like sing along to it. It's like, <laughs> you've got zombies by you now. <laughs> It's great. So, um, yeah, overall, I think it, it, does, it does what it needs to. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that little mini melody that plays, but you're right. It kind of reminds me of the sort of like the same sort of dread that you get with the sonic drowning music. <laughs> One thing about the music that nobody pointed out, which is surprising me, is that it has, I think it's what you call variable mix. So you're walking around an area, it seems perfectly safe, it's a bit of haunting, spooky music, and then you get closer to an enemy and the music actually changes. It's still the same track, but now we've got a bit more instrumentation and maybe a little bit of percussion underneath to kind of tell you that there's a, there's a threat nearby. And I think even possibly they ramp up a second time, some of them, I'm not sure, but there's definitely like this sort of like a second set of tracks for every over overworld track um, where it's like, this is the threatening version, which is really, again, really cool, where it's like, they could have just composed a soundtrack and be done with it, but they actually was like, oh, let's, let's try something else. It's interesting, it, it kind of works again, it kind of blends into that sort of cacophony of sound that sometimes has happened, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, but there, again, more inventive and bold idea, really. Was there any particular moments where you noticed that that music would change like in a particular room like if there were more enemies or less enemies or if you were in a room with a key item or a room because there are some rooms which just don't really have anything besides enemies Mm. did you notice that i think it just generally happens if the game thinks you're close enough to an enemy sometimes they don't even necessarily be on the screen but you can see you know that there's something just beyond the border of the screen and suddenly you get a little bit of 
uh, sort of kick drum underneath or whatever. But it's it, it, maybe it's not noticeable because it just kind of comes and goes. Uh, but I it's, think, it's a weird it's choice. I think it's where you have multiple enemies appearing. Oh, is it? Like, okay. I, I think I think it ramps up when there's more enemies around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, adds to the te- adds to the tension in the moment. And I agree with you. It definitely happens, and it's cool. But it does. See, another bit of impressive dynamicism. Dynam- How do you pronounce it? that? That word. But d- 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 for an eight megabyte cartridge. <laughs> yeah. That is impressive. Like, yeah, you're the guy crapping on this game. What's that all about? Well, you know, I've got. To, I'm, I'm trying to be as fair and balanced as I possibly can be with Gaiden. On that note, let's talk about the graphics. <laughs> uh, Steve, do you want to start us off? How you feel about the visual presentation of Gaiden? Is it better than the music? Or, or Solid. I think it's got a consistent art style, excluding maybe Leon's portrait, which looks to be a weird copy of the render for RE2 Leon. Everything else is consistent with its own style. Uh, it's okay. It's good. I want to say it's like, you know, going to be put up in the Louvre anytime soon, but... <laughs> The world map, especially, uh, again, p- comparisons to MSX Metal Gear, you know you know what these locations are, you can see them, you can see the stuff that's gone on. I would say there's even a, a fair bit of environmental storytelling. Um, the mm. zombie, I think the big shout-out probably is the zombie sprites in battle mode. I find them very impressive and very detailed. Mm. Maybe not so much the bosses, but the actual zombies themselves and the, the way they animate, really good. I uh, Yeah, I rate them. Uh, it's basically, for someone who plays a lot of indie games nowadays, it's nice to see that even back then people could find a lot with new pixels. I know we've got your Isans at like, you know, early Nintendo, early Capcom with Mega Man, but it's a, it's a cut above that, I feel. Like, um, yeah, I mean, for a late stage Game Boy game as well. Yeah, pretty good. I have no real complaints except maybe uh, Operator Man's face looking like he's made of Lego. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, uh, it's sometimes when you look at some of the environments, it's kind of a weird thing because you kind of forget that this is a Game Boy Color game. That's how I feel about it. Like you're right, like smashed up sofas and stuff like that, and sort of like the main, uh, if you want to call it like foyer that you enter at the beginning. And yeah, environmental storytelling is here. Something else that I really like about the graphics is the color palette. Is you know it's got some variation to it. I think not. That there's anything wrong with what games after Resident Evil 1 did at all. But it does feel like a throwback to the original game compared to something like Resident Evil 3 and Survivor that came out the year beforehand, especially Survivor, which is very um, dark and moody and, you know, doesn't the, the draw distance is bad, so everything's black anyway. But, uh, yeah, there's some, there's some colours in this without going overboard. So I agree, yes, yeah, it, it, it's a nice-looking game. Zombie animations, as you, as you rightly said, are, were a highlight for me as well. And as you previously said, the fact that the backdrops in the battle change, that's kind of cool. Overall, I generally don't really have any complaints with it. Sherwin, how do you feel about the way this game looks? You know, it's a really, it's a really, considering the console, it's a beautiful game. Um, yeah. The best way I've got to describe it, like the faces and stuff. I know we just joked in the uh, the early thing about the pictures and stuff, but actually, yeah, they really do, considering what they've got to work with, bring a lot of those characters to life in terms of the actual visuals. Um, I really do love um, a special shout out to the at uh, the intro uh where they formed an underground um organization devoted to stopping umbrella so whoever is that actually made that made a little pod house that lives actually under the ground uh that's a special part of uh, of this game for me when you see that um but no it's it's just a really well put together game i actually um well, i don't necessarily have really that much to add into it it's a shame that 
Barry doesn't really look like Barry on the overworld. Uh, like, you know, looks like Chris. But um, what I do think is quite interesting just on that is this not only is the canon that, you know, we look at with Resident Evil and Capcom denied, but is actually canon, but it also ties together the fact that Barry Byrne is also part of the Dino Crisis team as well in his grey uniform. And this is something that should not be overlooked. Brilliant. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 just. Um, I think what's what's really nice about this game, actually, what I think is really cool is is the small nods we have when, for example, when you're shooting zombies in the in the battle screen, and you'll see another zombie in the distance, not facing the same direction. It kind of looks over its shoulder mm-hmm. at you, and then pivots and starts coming towards you. Small details like that, like you know, you can imagine a game like this would have very easily just put the zombie sprite at the back of the thing, and it doesn't ever look around and see. It's just at the back, and then it slowly gets closer. But it's got small details like that that really make it work. Yeah. Special shout out for me goes to um, the crowbar zombie who's like oh. stereotypically smacking a crowbar into his free hand, <laughs> looking menacing. That guy will keep you up. Yeah. And you've got like, um, sorry, just quickly, and you've got stuff like drool and stuff coming out of the zombies as well. There's lots of details here. Yeah, totally. The enemy, the, as I agree with Steve, the tyrant sort of thing looks boring, but the zombies are really cool. The tyrant looks like a Bobo from Double Dragon. Uh, we'll throw that out there. And I'll move on to Jordan. Okay. Jordan, what do you feel about the uh, graphic presentation of Gaiden? Yeah, um, it's it's brilliant in just about every respect. Uh, I think that um, I mean Game Boy Color games. It, it was a really weird period of time because it was a very limited period of time as well. Um, not every developer necessarily built games with the Game Boy Color in mind because they were still also producing games for the original Game Boy. Mm. Um, So whenever a Game Boy Color title came out, it could be very interesting because um, they had to obviously make considerations for the hardware, um, including the actual sort of user experience of you as an original Game Boy Color. Um, It's it's funny, really, because it doesn't seem to have... It's it's not paired back in any kind of fashion. Um, They really used everything they could of the Game Boy Color's power. to the point where if you had just shown me a couple of screenshots from this game and you'd said that this was like a some concept art that somebody had put together, some pixel work um, that had been made as a concept for uh, like a demake of Resident Evil, uh, mm. I'd have believed you. Um, I mean, this is in effect a demake before, you know, we ever bandied that word around. Right. Um, but yeah, it works excellent. The presentation uh, is great. I think the... Uh, the diversity to not not just every floor but every room on the SS Starlight is very effective. Um, I, I mentioned it before that you know the environment is very memorable, and part of that comes through in the actual presentation of the, the graphics. Um, they they use the color palette well, um, and uh, you know while it takes a, a mild casualty with regards to Barry Burton's outfit. Obviously, they use a lot of sort of like strong reds uh, for a lot of the rooms, which gives a lot more warmth to a place which should be, um, you know, a luxury cruise liner that's only just recently you know, fell into disaster. So it works well in that respect. Everything is very readable. Enemies are very readable. You, the character, are very readable. Um, any kind of possible uh, ob- obstructions like uh, floorboards that have fallen through, uh, again, it's it's very obvious. Um, I think they do. It's really cool little details that they do, like having zombies hiding in shadows, um, you know, in little spaces and hallways. That's really neat. 
uh, yeah, I think this is very competent presentation, and it does it all with a very limited uh, UI, which mm. I, at first I wasn't sure how I was going to get on with it. To be fair, this is definitely one of those games where it wouldn't hurt to go and have a look at the instruction manual or do a quick Google, just so that you know everything that the small icon in the bottom right corner is telling you. You can figure out most of them, but some of them you might be a little bit confused about, especially if you're going up to locked doors for the first time and not exactly sure what it means. Um, but yeah, I, I think it there was there was nothing that was really lacking or or an issue for me. So yeah, presentation overall is great. I think it uh, it stoops a little bit where it concerns um, the actual presentation in the in the cutscenes, like the ones that I did see, because uh, you know the the designs are a little bit sort of uh, inconsistent. You know, Barry doesn't necessarily look that great, um, but I know obviously they're only working with a certain grid of pixels, so I guess they they do enough. I'm you know I'm not really kind of going to go all in on that apart from obviously some of the portraits just are kind of pretty bad uh, i mean leon's especially he looks like a haunted candle it, it, it he barely looks like he's got a face um and apart from that uh yeah as as sure mentioned like the like final bosses um bit of an odd design although i do like how the tyrants look on the overworld uh, I think that's actually really menacing because they're mm. a really big sprite. The way they, they walk can... is, is cool. Yeah, and they they can walk around, and it's quite yeah, especially at that point in the time of the the game where you're you're quite used to the controls, so you're used to kind of dodging uh, zombies, and all of a sudden now you've got something that can chase you around and and have additional battles with if it catches you. That's really neat, and the presentation comes across really well. I couldn't imagine playing this on an actual Game Boy Color back in the day because. I had a Game Boy Color, so maybe I did. Maybe I can imagine it, but I had um, like games like Grand Theft Auto on it, and again, another game that uses the full color palette. It looks great, but unless you had like a plug-in like little worm light, or you were by a window, mm. um, those screens were really not meant for this kind of graphical presentation uh, with the full color presentation uh, I- I involved. So it's definitely one that if you if you can play it on a on, on modern hardware, whereas on you know on a, on a typical screen, you're you're much better off doing so. Did the uh, this is like way off topic? Did the Game Boy Advance SP let you play Game Boy games in the same way that the Game Boy Advance did? Because that has a backlight, so if it does, that might be your best way to play a legitimate copy. So there you go. Um, and also, as a side note, for the little exclamation mark in the corner, there actually there are files. Uh, that tell you what the different colours mean. But again, these are completely, essentially optional. They're very missable. So, which is, I guess, a bit of a down, you know, bit of a negative in that probably those tutorial files should have been directly in your path all the time because that is kind of important information to have. Um, Right, nonetheless then, let's wrap up. Let's get some conclusion in on Resident Evil Gaiden. Um, Steve, what are your final thoughts on the 20th anniversary of what I guess from the last like hour of discussion is this beloved Resident Evil game. It's complex, right? Like mm. I can I can sit here and turn around and say it's a, it's an achievement. It's a, a kind of a technical marvel and what they managed to pull off and translate from a PS1 game onto an bit Game Boy Color cartridge. Uh, the story infuriates me. Um, 
The character moments, some of them are actually really good. When Barry and Leon argue and when they separate and reunite, I really like. Uh, the, the additional character, Lucia, what? Who cares? Nobody, nobody cares, exactly. Uh, the gameplay itself can be frustrating. It can be unfair. I recommend saving two gas grenades for the final boss. Mm. Um, but it's interesting and novel enough, I think, to at least warrant a look. Uh, I mean, obviously, these days, buying it legit is probably a challenge, uh, which means emulation is probably a way to go. I don't know where to go on that front, so I'm going to just smile, nod, and go have fun. Don't endorse it. Um, aesthetically, it's got a lot of strengths, especially for its age and its era, and I would argue even compared to some pixel-based indie devs now. Mm. Um, and if you have any concept of the genocide run in Undertale, you at least have some way of landing the, a few hits, and there are ways to cheese the game appropriately. So it's all right, I guess, though the narrative's rubbish is my general <laughs> summary. Yeah, I think I, the story is definitely... Uh, the bottom of the totem pole for my reaction it's it's kind of just sort of there i do enjoy some of the cutscenes, and i do this do like the script but uh i really don't care all that much about the actual story of the game but the gameplay for me is interesting and unique enough and really yeah makes makes my brain wonder you know what else could be done with this it and- does it does signal flare that you know you could have some kind of like turn-based battle system resident evil game and it could work yeah, it makes you wonder, doesn't it, about a parallel universe where if this was a success, what other Resident Evil games we might have that are spawned from this idea? You know, it's you know, that that really interests me because I think this has this really is sort of like the beginning of to some potential, which sadly just didn't really go anywhere. Um, overall, happy with the way that it looks, pretty happy with the way that it sounds. My general final thought on this is the same as it was three and a half years ago. There's a lot of people out there that, you know, and it's all, I'm not saying nobody can make jokes about a 20 year old game or whatever. It's fine, you know, we can point and laugh at some of its weirdness and oddities. But uh, I think a lot of people out there do that without actually having played the game. Um, and I think Jordan can speak to this as someone who's never played the game when I pass it over to him. It might be a worthwhile experience to actually. Play it and see how you feel about it. Because, again, lots of people talk about it. I wager most people haven't actually experienced it for themselves. Uh, I think most people were expecting us to have a much more mixed reaction podcast, or perhaps even worse. But uh, there's something strangely charming about this little Resident Evil novelty, I find. Jordan, how did you sort of feel about Resident Evil Gaiden as sort of a conclusion? And uh, maybe would you recommend it to those that haven't played it before? It's, uh, I mean, it's a real proper oddity of a game. It is the least essential Resident Evil experience you need because the story is not canon, um, and you know, it's Capcom doesn't have any interest in selling it. It seems Um, so. It's really kind of if you're if you're curious about the game, it's worth checking out. I, I think within about ten to fifteen minutes, you get the idea of. Right. Of what the concept is, and and obviously how solid it works for the most part, and I think that is worth having a peek so that you can understand what was being done here at the time that it was being done, um, and and you know for the the limited time that they were around, I think that M4 Limited uh, did an excellent job with this overall as a as a concept. I think they nailed it uh, in most regards. There are some aspects which I think that. 
while it's worth checking out the game, I think it's going to be more difficult to beat um, to actually see to the end of its run. Um, because while just about everything works right, I, I I didn't really cover it much earlier, but I do still find it a, um, a bit frustrating how much uh, enemy respawns change the game. Mm-hmm. Um, that ultimately does upset the balance that uh, an ecosystem uh, like survival horror relies on. Uh, if you can get past that, if you can understand that you might need to do quite a few runs to understand how to effectively play this game and, and, and you know complete it without possibly running out of ammo or really kind of putting yourself in, in a corner stuck because you can't necessarily get past certain areas without enough ammunition, uh, then it's it's worth it. It's just you you almost have to be as forgiving to Resident Evil Gaiden as it is unforgiving to you, especially in those later stages where the difficulty can uh, can pick up. But overall, it is worth checking out, and I implore people if they've listened to this and they like the sound of it to to really go ahead find it wherever you can and uh, and at least give it fifteen minutes every time because I think yeah. there is concepts here that. Um, if they'd just been tweaked a little bit more, and I suppose as well, if this game had released in, say, 98, uh, I feel like it would be a no-brainer to to bring a successor to either the Game Boy Color or the Game Boy Advance, because uh, I, I think there was something solid there. I, I think a lot of circumstances, some induced by the game itself, but mostly to do with the time that it came out, mm-hmm. uh, do limit uh, what it could do with the, the time and the platform that it had. Uh, but yeah, it, it's certainly not a joke. Um, mm. That is obviously what it kind of gets treated as, but I actually sit down and play it. There's, there's, there's plenty to at least appreciate, even if you don't necessarily enjoy the experience wholly. I think there's a lot of things that you can look at and understand why they made it, how they made it. And uh, yeah, some of, the, some of the genius that is in there as well. Mm. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. Um, when I say people should play this. I don't necessarily mean to completion. At least give it a try and recognize that whilst some of perhaps the outside look outside look is, oh, they wanted to make a Resident Evil, put it on the Game Boy, sell some copies, make some money. Oh, it doesn't work. You know, the traditional Resident Evil formula doesn't work. Let's slap a battle system in. That'll do. There you go. Boom. No, clearly these things have actually been thought about. And when you play the game, you'll kind of understand where the developers' heads were at. And you'll see that they actually put some care and attention into this I, i'm that's how i feel about it anyway um showing final thoughts on well final thoughts for now on resident evil gaiden <laughs> it's not very good is it uh, no, <laughs> no not quite i think um as as a person as a person who makes resident evil games in an unconventional way which is mm. a weird thing i can say that but it's true i really appreciate the ingenuity in this game um, this is something where the actual hardware cannot possibly, under any circumstance, replicate the Resident Evil experience as was then, is as is now, in any way, shape, or form. Yet somehow it does it in a very unconventional way that still speaks to and is a Resident Evil title. And for me, I mean, for me, this is more a Resident Evil title than a whole bunch of other ones out there, like RE6. Um, and I think. This is from a time when you know Resident Evil 
initial exploring were well you got survivor you got Gaiden. um it was about exploring different concepts and of what resident evil could be and how you can encapsulate that feeling of what a resident evil game is and really bring it together and i think i think this is what this really stands the test of time as and it's definitely a, it's an interesting curiosity to anybody um if you are interested in resident evil history and understanding and appreciating what this is you're never going to go back to it time and time again to play it unless you have a big nostalgia kick for it it simply doesn't work that way mm. you're never going to um find yourself constantly playing this thing over and over trying to speed run it or trying to think how awesome it is compared to the other games you won't it's not that game um but yeah it works in a really really good way Cool. Well, nothing else remains for me but to thank our contributors, our Patreons, and our listeners. Join the First Aid Spray Discord server to become part of our community and hear the show early and unedited. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, Instagram, YouTube, and more. All of these links and all of our content can be found at fasprayPod.com. You can listen to the podcast on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, and all good podcasting apps. And if you like what you hear, please do leave us a review where you can and spread the good word. Don't forget you can support the show by picking up some merch or at patreon.com forward slash FA Spray Pod for as little as $1 a month. On our next episode, we reach back into the library of Resident Evil as we continue our book club series, this time with the second original tale from the mind of S.D. Perry, it's Resident Evil Underworld. Thank you to the panel. You can follow all of the Pueblo people individually. I'm at Saniac underscore one, two, three. Steve is at FB. Steve was taken. Jordan is at CerealBox64. And Sherwin is at Sherwin's Agenda. And finally, thank you for listening and have a good week. To be fair, that's the interesting thing is that the SSR kind of has that room for expansion. If they were, they're never going to remake it. But if they were ever to remake it, like officially, they could add all kinds of puzzles. They could add all kinds of uh, characters, you know, actual, like, you know, interactive characters outside of the zombies and stuff like that. Different types of enemies. I know. Just think yeah. of the possibilities. <laughs> Might get a zombie. Kind of Lovecraft meets the Inferno shtick and uh, <laughs> call it. We'll have Jill instead, and uh, maybe we'll call a it new Resident Evil too. Revolutions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and swimming sections where you don't know how much air you've got left, but you know it's a lot. We can have more enemies. We can bring back classic enemies, but they must actually themselves be on vacation. I'm talking about <laughs> liquors in Hawaiian shirts. Glorious. Jordan learned the best possible lesson from Duke Nukem Takes a Holiday. <laughs> I love that.